children. Hope you're enjoying being back at school. Today we find out how Mallory gets on with the molars in James Norcliffe's book, Mallory, Mallory, The Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. There's something a bit dodgy about these molars. We're going back into the pie-making business now. Mallory had watched the whole process with great interest. When Maury had opened the oven door, a gust of heat had swept against her face, and it still felt pink. She wasn't sure how she was going to cope with eating the pie. The dish it was baking in was monstrously huge. She would need an army to help eat the thing, she thought, and even then, it would take a week. Shouldn't be long, said Maury. Half an hour or so. It was warm in the kitchen, and with the oven now baking the pie, it was getting warmer all the time. Mallory's cheeks still felt flushed, and she fanned her face with her hand. Even though the kitchen was full of delicious aromas, she was beginning to feel somewhat awkward. She felt exposed standing on the table and wanted to sit down, but there was nothing to sit on. She also felt trapped. The table was several times her height, and there was no way off it without the help of Mari or Molly's huge hands. The two giants seemed friendly enough once the bartering about the money was over, but their immense size was intimidating. She'd have to be very careful not to say the wrong thing or annoy them. As Mallory usually liked saying the wrong things and being annoying, this was going to be especially hard work. So, Mallory, Mallory, said Molly, after she'd finished cleaning up her knife and bowl and got rid of the apple peel and cores, where exactly is this bird cage with the mouse with the one dollar? Mallory didn't immediately answer. Truth to tell, she wasn't exactly sure where the bird cage was. She knew where she'd left it, more or less, a kilometre or so down the pathway. Whether it was still there or not depended on A, what had happened to Arthur, and or B, whether the canines had managed to break into the cage, and or C, both. Thinking quickly, she decided to tell as much of the truth as was unlikely to upset the so far friendly giants. Just down the pathway a little, she said, and because that sounded a little odd, she added, I was feeling quite hungry and the cage was heavy, so the mouse told me to leave the cage there and to go to try to find some food. She smiled brightly, hoping that that would oil the lie a little. <clears throat> it seemed to have worked as Molly gave her a big smile in return. You should take some pie back for the mouse then, she suggested, and the budgie added Maury with a huge grin. All at once, Mallory had another brilliant idea. The friendly giant molars were so large, so strong and, she suspected, not so terribly bright that she would be able to use them. The yowling, howling canines would be no match for these giant creatures. All Big Maury would need to do would be to kick out with one of his huge, flower-spattered boots and the nearest canine would fly over the gun post like a football flying between the rugby posts. All Big Molly needed to do was to reach down and grab a couple of canines and flick them over the trees like a couple of well-struck tennis balls. Would you like to come with me to find the cage? she asked carefully. Is it lost? asked Maury, a little suspiciously. Oh no, Mallory replied hurriedly. Not lost. I meant fetch the cage. 
I only ask because with your long legs we could get there ever so much faster. What do you mean, our long legs? asked Molly. She sounded a little offended. Our legs perfectly normal. Mallory shook her head. This wasn't going nearly as well as she'd hoped. No, she said, I didn't mean your legs were particularly long. I merely meant that they were longer than mine. Of course they're longer than yours, said Mallory stiffly. We're molars and you're a Mallory, whatever that is. Mallory nodded. Exactly, I'm a tiny little Mallory, while you are perfectly sized molars. She breathed a sigh of relief as Molly smiled again. Yes, she said, with perfectly sized legs. That's just what I meant, said Mallory. Your perfectly sized legs can travel much more quickly than my tiny little legs. Mm, just down the path, eh? asked Murray. Mallory nodded. Not far. How far? asked Murray. Not far at all. I could lead you. Murray and Molly exchanged glances. There was something in that exchange that Mallory did not like, but she wasn't sure what it was. Let's check the pie, said Molly. We'll talk about this later. We will, said Murray. Again, there was something a little mysterious in his tone. Mallory had a frightened moment, thinking she might have misjudged them. Maybe the pastry cooks were not quite as dim as she'd thought. However, that thought was quickly cast aside as Morrie opened the door to the oven and the kitchen was flooded with fragrant steam and delicious aromas. Hot pastry, brown and flaky, sharp apple and spicy cinnamon. Gently wearing a pair of oven mitts the size of overcoats, Morrie lifted the pie dish out of the oven and placed it on the heat-proof mat Molly had provided for him on the table. Careful, she warned Mallory, it's very hot. Mallory needed no second warning. The heat emanating from the dish enveloped her in waves and she had to take a step back. The pie dish was nearly as tall as she was, the scalloped brown pastry jutting over the edges of it like a veranda. It's huge, she said marvelling. No, it's not, said Molly, in a tone of mild rebuke. It's quite a small pie. It's only a one dollar pie, remember? But, again, the exchange of glances between the two molars. But how am I going to eat it? It was a problem. The pie looked utterly scrumptious, and Mallory found her mouth watering. But it was the size of a haystack. Mallory frowned for a second, then burst out laughing. Of course, you need a spoon. Get the Mallory a spoon, Morrie, and then you can get the other thing. Mallory had no time to wonder what the other thing was, because Morrie banged a spoon on the table beside her before returning and leaving the room. Mallory looked at the spoon with bewilderment. Perhaps Morrie and Molly were dim bulbs after all. The spoon was as long as Mallory, and its bowl was at least as big as one of her father's shovels back in the garden shed. She was about to protest when Murray returned to the kitchen. He was carrying a bird cage the size of a children's playhouse. Here we are, Molly, he said. This'll be ideal. The bird cage. 
Mallory stared at the birdcage, fear clutching her heart. What's this? she whispered. A birdcage, boomed Maury. We've got one too, added Molly. But, whispered Mallory, her throat suddenly dry. The cage was solid. The bars looked as if they had been fashioned from steel reinforcing rods, and the door looked like a cage door in a zoo. It looked as if it could safely house a tiger rather than a budgie, a sabre-toothed tiger. But why? asked Mallory. Maury didn't reply. Instead, he suddenly reached for Mallory, so quickly she had no time to react. Maury's huge hand wrapped around her and he lifted her into the air. The door, Molly, he hissed. Just as quickly, Molly released the catch on the cage door and opened it. Immediately, Maury shoved Mallory into the cage. She fell onto her back on the floor. It was not pleasant. The floor was scattered with the droppings of some previous occupant. Very large droppings. As Mallory lay like an upturned beetle on the floor of the cage and saw high, high above her, a great perch fixed between the bars, she wondered who that previous occupant might have been. Clearly not a budgie. She scrambled to her feet. Grasping the bars with both hands, she stared out at Maury and Molly. Let me out, she cried. Like a piece of pie, Maury, asked Molly, smiling. Don't mind if I do, Molly, replied Maury, smiling, although I'd prefer it with a dab of cheese. And beef and lamb? Of course, cried Maury. You do know the way to a man's heart, Molly. Mm, pity we haven't got any, said Molly. We only have this most unorthodox apple pie. It'll have to do then, said Maury. Beggars can't be choosers. And choosers are really beggars, said Molly. It'll go down nicely with a cup of tea, though. I'll be bound. Let me out, roared Mallory. Did you hear something, Maury? asked Molly. Not a thing, said Maury, returning to the table with a huge and dangerous-looking knife. Mallory shrank back from the bars, but Maury was only carving into the pie. He quartered it and placed a quarter each on two plates. Molly, meanwhile, had placed two huge cups and saucers on the table and filled a teapot from the kettle sitting on top of the stove. Shall I pour? Of course, my love, cried Maury. Why are you doing this? screamed Mallory. Doing what? asked Molly, acknowledging Mallory for the first time since she'd been thrust into the cage. Isn't it obvious? We're having a piece of pie and a nice cup of tea. We're very hungry, said Molly. All that work, putting together an unorthodox pie. I didn't mean you're eating, cried Mallory. I mean, why have you shut me in this cage? Well said Molly, taking a mouthful of pie. You see, said Maury, lifting his cup to his mouth. Mallory was forced to wait while they slurped and chewed for a few seconds before Maury continued. You see, we didn't really understand this cracket thing you talked about, and it occurred to us 
there was a good chance you might not return with the dollar once you'd eaten your fill of unorthodox pie. I would so have, Mallory said. I told you where the birdcage is. I even asked you to come with me. This was not, of course, strictly true. Had she been given the opportunity, Mallory would quite readily have slipped away without paying for the unorthodox pie. So you did, so you did, said Molly, and we're so happy you did. And we will too, won't we, Molly, said Maury. We'll come with you. Except you'll be in our birdcage, said Molly. But why, shouted Mallory, in case you should slip away. But why would I do that, protested Mallory, even though she knew it sounded weak. And there's another thing, said Maury. It's that mouse. Mouse? Yes, the mouse that you say has the dollar you were going to give us. The mouse has got the dollar, honest, cried Mallory. Yes, yes, said Maury. But here's the other thing. You told us that the mouse has more than a dollar. You told us that the mouse has three hundred dollars. She said two hundred dollars, actually, Maury, said Molly. It's only one hundred dollars, really, said Mallory desperately. I made a mistake, and the mouse hasn't quite got it yet. I know, I know, said Maury. You said the mouse has to get the two hundred dollars. One hundred dollars, said Mallory. Whatever, said Maury, from the Chancellor of the Hexchequer. Mallory stared at the two giants. She was not at all sure where this was leading, but something told her it was not leading to any place she was going to like. Catching Mallory's eye, Molly began to laugh. Mallory did not enjoy this at all. You see, explained Molly patiently, this is our plan. We'll take you back to your birdcage with the mouse in it and the budgie said Mallory, the mouse and the budgie, and then... You'll be in your cage, said Molly, and the mouse and the budgie, said Molly, and the mouse and the budgie will be in their cage, and then, said Molly, we'll all go together to the Chancellor of the Hexchequer, and the mouse can get the $200, said Molly, with a broad, friendly smile. $100, insisted Mallory. Molly began to laugh again. And then, said Molly, beginning to laugh too, then we'll ask the mouse for the two or one hundred dollars or whatever it is, and then we'll be able to let you out of the cage. Mallory all at once realised what they were saying. She went pale and began to tremble. But that's terrible, she said. You can't do this. It's blackmail. No, not blackmail, said Molly. More like kidnapping in order to get a ransom. Just a very reasonable ransom, said Murray. But why would the mouse give you one hundred dollars? Murray shrugged. To let you out of the cage, dear, said Molly. You don't want to have to stay in that awful cage for the rest of your life. But, said Mallory, I think we're being reasonable, said Murray cheerfully. I don't think the mouse even likes me, said Mallory. I don't think the mouse would pay for that kind of money. We'll see, shall we? said Molly. Come along, Molly, said Maury, reaching the ring on the top of the cage. Let's go. It's just down the pathway, or so the Mallory said. By now Mallory couldn't stop trembling. 
But what if it doesn't? She cried. Murray shrugged again. Then once more he and Molly exchanged glances. Don't worry, little Mallory Mallory, said Molly. We wouldn't really keep you in the cage for the rest of your life. Mallory stared at the smiling giant. She felt a sudden surge of relief. You wouldn't? she asked. The relief was so great she found there was tears streaming down her face. Even if the mouse doesn't pay. If the mouse doesn't pay, said Murray laughing, then there's plan B. And don't worry, plan B doesn't involve keeping you in the birdcage for years and years. Hardly any time at all said Molly. What's plan B? asked Mallory nervously. An even more unorthodox pie, laughed Molly. Mallory pie, laughed Murray. With beef and lamb, laughed Molly. And cheese, laughed Murray, and he lifted up the bird cage and strode out of the kitchen. Two bird cages. Where do you think she is? asked Arthur. She could be anywhere, said the mouse. Where does this path lead? asked Arthur. I mean, could she have reached the end of the path? Mm, I wouldn't think so, said the mouse. I imagine the path leads to the end of the story, and we've got a long way to go yet, I suspect. I hope it's a happy ending, said Arthur. So do I, said the mouse. So do I. There was something in the mouse's tone that worried Arthur. He also wondered whether or not he should risk Mallory's anger by freeing the little creature. Mallory had done the duty on them both. He didn't owe her anything. But then Mallory's anger was... Don't even think about it, said the mouse. Arthur stared at the cage. The arrangement was said the mouse. She'd let me out when I found her the money. I keep my word. Huh, good luck with that, thought Arthur. Mallory kept a number of things, but her word wasn't one of them. He didn't dare suggest this, though. The mouse probably knew it anyway. You sounded a bit doubtful about the happy ending, he said instead, putting the birdcage down to rest his weary arm. Perhaps I do have the odd doubt, said the mouse carefully. Your friend, Mallory, said Arthur, your friend Mallory doesn't always see the wood for the trees. What does that mean? said Arthur, staring about him at the forest of tall white trunks. These wood and trees here, it's easy to see both. It depends where you're looking from, said the mouse. If you were in a hot air balloon looking down, you would probably see only trees. I think your friend Mallory sees the world only from a very small place called Mallory. This time Arthur thought he understood what the mouse was getting at. And, continued the mouse, that can get her into trouble. Serious trouble? asked Arthur, picking up the birdcage once again. Serious trouble, said the mouse. Oh, serious trouble sounded so serious that Arthur didn't really want to talk about it any more. So they walked in silence along the lonely pathway. The only sound was a scrunch of Arthur's footsteps on the dry leaves. He looked about this way, that way, but truly 
there seemed no end to the ranks of white trunks on either side, nor any end to the sameness of the path. Leaves and leaves of greeny-brown and browny-green. But there, just ahead, a flash of brighter red. What's that? thought Arthur. He hurried towards what was apparently an object on the path. He recognised it at once. Mallory's diary, with its red cover and its angry message written in capitals. Mallory's diary, private and confidential. No peeking on pain of death. Arthur realised the diary must have fallen out of Mallory's back pocket in her rush to get away. At least it meant that they were still following her trail. Shrugging, he bent down, picked up the diary and shoved it in his own pocket. Eventually, they came to the fork in the pathway. Arthur set the cage down and asked the mouse, Do you know which way? The mouse stood up at the bottom of the cage and peered about. Oh, we take the left fork. It said hurriedly, taking the right fork would be very dangerous. Dangerous? Do you really mean that? Arthur asked, remembering how he'd been fooled by the story of the canines. I do this time, said the mouse. The right fork leads to the house of the giant molars. Giant molars? asked Arthur. How would that put us in danger? It's not so much that would put us in danger, said the mouse. It's that the molars would probably put us in a pie. Arthur paled. A pie? The giant molars are giant pie makers with giant appetites. The trouble is that the foolish people who go to them to buy their pies often end up as ingredients. I think we ought to leave right now, said Arthur nervously, in case they come out or something. And I think that that is a very good idea said the mouse. Accordingly, Arthur picked up the birdcage. All at once, he seemed to have regained his strength in his arm and enough energy to walk quite quickly. Had he not walked so quickly, he might not have missed two giant figures dressed as pastry cooks carrying a large iron birdcage approaching the junction along the right-hand path. Inside the birdcage, Gripping the bars to stop herself being thrown about was a very unhappy and frightened Mallory. Unlike Arthur, Maury wasn't at all worried about swinging the birdcage about as he strode, whistling, down the path. How far? he boomed. Mallory was being shaken about too much to be able to answer. She was occasionally given to car sickness, but now she was beginning to suffer from birdcage sickness. It was Far worse than car sickness. What shall we buy with the money, Maury? asked Molly, who was puffing away beside him. Hope it's not too far, said Maury. I said, what shall we buy? repeated Molly. No idea, said Maury. Perhaps a new mincer. That suggestion made Mallory feel even more sick. Slow down, Maury, protested Molly. You're going too fast. You're not fit said Maury. I know I'm not fit, puffed Molly. Too many pies, laughed Maury. However, he did slow down and then stopped altogether, placing the birdcage on the path. Then he bent down to talk to Mallory, who was in turn becoming slightly green. How far? he demanded. Mallory looked about her, then shrugged despairingly. I don't know, she cried. It all looks the same with these trees all about. 
You said it wasn't far, said Molly. I'm sure it's not very far. Mallory stopped, because far off she heard a sound she'd heard before, a sound that had struck terror into her heart, a yelling, a howling, rising and falling. It seemed to be coming from down the path, in the direction they were headed. Oh no, groaned Molly, it's those awful canines. What if they get to the birdcage first, Morrie? Morrie picked up the cage once more. Don't know, Molly, he said grimly. We'll just have to beat them to it. Or if they found it, we'll just... Just what, Morrie? We'll just have to do something about it. With much more urgency, Morrie set off again. And with that urgency, the cage swung about even more wildly. Mallory gripped the bars for dear life. She was now doubly frightened. Oh dear, poor Mallory. She certainly got herself in a pickle. Now she knows how the mouse feels. Will Arthur, Bruce and the mouse find her? Find out next time when they journey to the Hex, where things get more and more scary. Books and Co. is a small independent bookstore in Old Tacky on the Old State Highway 1. Do take a visit. It's like an Aladdin's Cave of Treasures, all book-themed. Goodbye, boys and girls. Happy reading. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.